0: Amen, guys. Thank you. We need to remember those wonderful words that remind us about lifting His name on high because of how much He loves us. And there's nobody here that doesn't need to be loved. We're a needy bunch, aren't we? And I'm so grateful we have a God who meets our needs. He knows what we really look like underneath those masks we wear. And He loves us. Well, we're in Song of Songs and we're moving toward the end here with just a couple of messages. And the message this morning I've entitled Do Not Awaken Love. And we're going to be looking at this couple as they look back at their courtship. And we're going to be looking at the depth of love and how it pays to do things God's way. So I'm going to encourage you to turn to Song of Songs chapter 8. We're in the final chapter here and we're going to look at the first seven verses together this morning. I'm going to ask you when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read the text. If only you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast. Then if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who has taught me I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranates. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover? Under the apple trees I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, as jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of the house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Let's pray. Master, we're here again. Lord, we all want to be loved, we all need to be loved, and you're the one who perfectly loves, Lord. And as we look at this couple, Lord, and we look at this ancient love song, teach us, Father, the great value of looking for love the right way, in the right place, the right time, and how you honor that, God. And I just ask for your leadership, Lord. As we continue, God, I I think sometimes, Lord, we just don't expect You to move among us, God. Just like You expect us to come together to honor and worship You, Lord, we ought to expect You to pour out Your heart to us. And so, Holy Spirit, have Your way. I pray, Father, as I seek to speak, that I may be able to speak with faith to trust You, with a fire, Lord, that says I, I really care about You. Father, with faith and to trust and and believe in You. Father, um, just that it would be clear, Father, and uh, understandable. Father, may Your Spirit just speak. We need to hear from You, Lord. And I thank You for another opportunity to be together. We need You, Master. In Your name we pray. Amen. Alright, as we look at this couple and as we look at what they share, man, this is a... This first word that we have here seems kind of strange at first glance. It says, if only you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast, then if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. I mean, you look at that and you think, what? Like a brother? That doesn't sound right. It reminded me one place uh, that we lived, that we were able to serve. There was a place called the bottom where there was a, a group of people who were very close. And uh, it was kind of confusing for me down there, because you had two brothers who married two sisters, and there were a bunch of double first cousins. And I'd get confused with all that stuff. But I remember there was this one kid that moved into the area. And, and when he moved into the area, because he was new, they were making fun of him. And I'll never forget this classic line I heard from the kids. They said, they were picking on this kid and he said, well, at least I don't have to worry about falling in love with somebody and marrying them and committing incest. Because there were so many people closely together in family. But that meant, guys, that is certainly not what is being spoken of here. It's not talking about some kind of weird family thing going on here. But you have to look at the cultural perspective of what's being said here. You see, in that culture, it was not appropriate. It was not right. To show romantic affection in public. You couldn't do that. The only thing that was appropriate was small kids, like a little brother and a little sister. You know how cute they can be to give a little hug or a little kiss or hold hands and, you know, everybody's like, oh look at that, it's just so sweet. You know, you see that. And as she's thinking about her man, she's thinking, man I miss you. Man, I'd like to be near you. I'd like to feel your strong embrace. Your touch. But it's just not appropriate. Not not where others could see us out in this public setting. And you know sometimes you see couples and they're too physically involved, right out in the middle of there everybody, you know, slobbering all over each other, and you're thinking, oh man, ugh. You know, go somewhere else. You know, they don't, they don't do that. Now, the picture here is she's saying, you know, I I, I I miss you. I want to be with you. But I want it to be appropriate. I want it to be right. And, and so what happens in, in, in that kind of time? I think it just goes back to the importance of communication. Being in touch with your loved one. And boy, today, with all the technology, you can text one another and call each other. Of course, through the, through the Internet as well. And... and Letters and just many different ways to show that love and to be connected throughout the day and and how critical that is. And then he moves on in verse 2. He says, I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who's taught me, I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranates. She's basically saying, when I was a little girl, my mom talked to me. And she told me about life. She told me about the natural desires that happen with a man and a woman. You know, the basic birds and bees kind of talk. My mom communicated that to me when I was little. I want to stop here a minute because, guys, we live in a culture where we are bombarded with sexual messages constantly. You can't get away from it. It's everywhere you turn. It's everywhere you look. And, And so it's very critical that parents are able to talk to their kids in a way and say, you know, this is God's design. This is not something that's gross. And it is not God. You know, it's worshipped now by many it seems. But it's a gift. A gift from God Himself. Shared between a man and a woman who follow His covenant of marriage. That's that's God's plan. That's His desire. And, and that these desires awaken within you. And, and you have to understand God's design and how they're be to be fulfilled. And I don't know exactly what the age is, but it seems like they're hearing this stuff younger and younger and younger. And so, you have to be careful and you have to do that in a natural way to be able to talk openly with your kids about those things in a loving way, and that that's just so critical, and I think that's so needed—not forced, but just honest, just open. And I believe that's you know she she's speaking, said that's kind of how that was, and it's kind of interesting here because I think in a way she's saying to her sweetheart, she's saying kind of flirting with him a little bit. Said so, you know she kind of told me about man, I think man that guy's whew, got it together. You're that guy. And I'm thinking about you, and I can hardly wait till we can be together, and we can be alone, and, 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 you know, just in a good way, a flirty kind of way. You know, it's kind of funny, there's a lot of jokes that want to diminish the spark that goes on in a marriage relationship. You know, I remember a joke a friend of mine told me who's never been married, and he said, you know, what's the food that diminishes sexual desire? He said, scientists have discovered and found out that the food's wedding cake. You know, let that... But that's kind of sad. I mean, love should be something that grows as a man and a woman learn each other, care about each other, enjoy being together. And as God works through them and in their lives, guys, that's, that's God's heart is to be a servant and to share. And you know, it's, it's funny as so I thought about that desire yesterday with uh, Lydia and Zach. Uh, sit there and watch the old Jungle Book cartoon, and you know Mowgli's hanging out with the bear, and he's hanging out with a, these different animals. Then he sees that little girl; she's got that jug on her head, and she turns and she does that little thing with the eyes. Guys, it's always rough when they do that little thing with the eyes. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And she see, he, and he's just kind of like oh, like that, and and you know. And the animals are saying, No, no, Mowgli. He goes, leave him alone, leave him alone. And then he looks again. He's gone, man. He's following her, you know. Well, actually, she went beyond that. She took that water jug and she accidentally dropped it where it rolled near him. And he picked it up and filled it up. And it's like, Okay. He, goes, he did that on purpose. She did that on purpose. He goes, I know. And then there was that connection. There was that connection. And, and you know, I thought, oh, this so beautiful. That's how God works. I want you to notice in here in that connection is something that grows, and it's interesting here in verse three. uh, There's a description here. It says, "His left arm's under my head; his right arm embraces me." There is a description here where there's an honesty about, "I love you." I want to express it this way, and honey, I want you to know what I enjoy, what I like, and. You know, you can't just assume people know what each other like. We need to talk. We need to communicate. We need to be able to share openly. And, And certainly a husband and wife, guys, ought to be able to do that. Ought to be servants to one another. When you've got two people who are servants, God can use that instead of two people who are selfish. See, God's always doing that work where He wants to move us from selfish to servant. I did a message on that in one of these. That's His heart in marriage as well. Selfish to servant. Okay, it goes on here. Then she speaks to her single friends. Notice verse 4. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. You know, you you come here and and just before that, um, they they, uh, are interested. You know, hey, Is this worth it? Is this works? Uh, Is this the right thing? And she says, yeah. She said, it is. And I just encourage uh, people who are single but want to someday be married, be together. Don't settle for crumbs when God has so much more. And our world cries out, take the crumbs. But God's way so much better. There's regret. There's pain. There's a price that's paid for not going God's way. And she says, it's worth it. We waited. We went God's way and it's worth it. It paid off. And, and this honest declaration, guys, uh, it, it means a lot. Um, notice their courtship here as it goes on... Uh, Starting in verse 5, who's this coming up from the desert leaning on her lover? She's reminiscing, walking arm in arm. Evidently, they, their favorite place to hang out when they were courting was an apple tree. It says, under the apple tree I aroused you. There your mother conceived you. There she was in labor, gave you birth. <laughs> so there's this picture here, of them a picture of many hours underneath that apple tree. Courting, talking, sharing their hearts with one another—that was a place they fell in love. That was a place their hearts became connected. And and she's thinking back about that. She's having those special thoughts, those special memories. How God spoke to them there. There, there were laughs and snuggles going on. That made a difference. That drew them to God and to each other. You know, I thought about how I met Sandy. Um, Of course, she'll probably tell it different night I do. Isn't it funny how many women remember things differently every time I tell this? But anyway, I was in seminary. It seemed like at seminary it was about ten guys to every girl. So the last place I thought I would meet my wife was at seminary because, you know, the numbers weren't good. And so me and my friends, we'd sit around and say, Oh, man, you know, here we are, mid-twenties. Going to be alone Forever. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Wine, wine, wine. And I was at a friend's, and we were actually looking. We called it the funny book, but it was a school yearbook, seminary yearbook. And I'm looking through there. I no, don't no, no, no. And I see this girl's picture, and I said, "Man, she's kind of cute, kind of cute." <laughs> and uh, this guy I'm with, he says, "Man, I went to college with her down in Florida." West Palm Beach, Palm Beach Atlantic College. And man, she's she's great, great girl. It's like selling a car or something. Man, he's talking about her. I'm thinking, hmm, dog, I need to get some guts here and call this girl, you know. So I got on the phone, nervous as could be. I called her later on. Cindy said I sound like Gomer Powell. But (laughs) man with confidence. So then I went... Finally set up time to go pick her up. Wasn't sure where she was, even though I should have drove around and around gave her more confidence as I'm driving around trying to find where she is. Here's a guy that's got his act together. (laughs) Went out to the black IP and immediately just talked. And I found when I was with her, I just wanted to talk to her all the time. And I just liked being with her. And you know, things just go on. I can still remember my roommate saying, Dude, you need to slow down, man. You just need to. Get, you're gonna to scare to death. But I just, you know, I just, whew, whew, you know, just I was woo boy. And then after three months, you know, my big plan here. I was just at her house one day and I thought I want to marry that girl. So right there, I just got on my knees and asked her to marry me. Like, she said, what? So you know, anyway. Of course, she, we know now. She said yes. <laughs> <laughs> we waited the course of a year and got married, and and you know it's it's sweet. You look back at that, and of course, there's different angles. You look at you know you you guys look at that, and you remember God's heart as as He works in relationships, and and what a blessing, what a blessing. As as I get down through the end of this thing, guys, I want to look at several components of love here as this is closed out. Starting at verse six, we see that. Love is personal. Notice it says, place me like a seal over your heart. And that day the seal was the most precious possession. It was kind of like a credit card, a birth certificate, and a social security card all wrapped up in one. And it's use, guys, it it, it was essential to life. And basically what she's saying here is, I want to be precious to you. I want to be the one that rocks you, you know. I want to be your love. I want to be that in your life. And then, secondly, love's protective. Look in the same part of verse, like a seal on your arm. She wants to be imprinted upon this guy. She says, "I want you to care about me, to protect me, to be there for me, and and to realize that 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 I'm a part of you, and and that I matter, and take up for me, because I, I need you to be strong." You know, I have this need to be rescued and to be loved and to be cared for and, and, and I need that from you like a seal on your arm. And then love is powerful. Notice it says, For love is as strong as death. You know, there's a statistic. It says one out of every one person dies. Man, death is powerful. And death is coming. And what she's saying here is I want our love to be so strong that you know there's no change in it. It's so powerful that it's there. It's guaranteed for us. And then he then he goes on the next one. Um says love is possessive. Notice here it says it's jealousy unyielding as the grave, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. You know, there's a bad jealousy, which is a mistrust and a distrust. But, but that's not the kind of jealousy spoken of here. It's talking about, you know, that you care so much about me that you protect our relationship. You, you put a shield around it. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. He's saying, I want our relationship to be Guarded. Not that we don 't care about other people, see other people and, and, and involved with with other people, but there 's a different level to our relationship, and it needs to be taken seriously and, and guarded and, and There is a jealousy that 's right um, it speaks about that with god exodus thirty four fourteen it says, "Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God." God is jealous for His people in a way that He wants our love and He wants our commitment and our time and, and our heart. And, and, and that's what she wants with Him. That's what she wants with Him, guys. Uh, next, love perseveres. It says, many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. She's saying here, there is a lot of junk that continually flows in a relationship because of the stresses and the pressures that are around us. But the basic statement here is that the flame's not going to go out because God's there. Guiding and protecting, it'll persevere to keep going. I love Dale Moody, the grandson of uh, D.L. Moody, the evangelist who was a teacher at Southern Seminary for years, he said, "...a faith that fizzles had a fatal flaw from the first. A faith that fizzles had a fatal flaw from the first. He's saying, but a faith that's true. A faith that saves craves God. And and, and that's there. And, and I love that that perseveres. God will carry it out. I love it. I, I thought of Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. God will bring it to pass. He'll, he'll carry it on, guys. He'll carry it on. To become a servant. To take away our selfishness and help us work on that. Uh, a word here. I mentioned this in a prior message. Uh, some people who are newly married they struggle, but uh, there was a statistic that said that the toughest years are the first seven. That during that first seven years you learn about each other, and you know you got to learn how selfish you are, and learn learn how to become a servant. And. Many people don't make it seven years and then they marry again and go through those toughest years all over again. And then we've got some people that seem to just do that repeatedly and they suffer going through those toughest years. So there's value so many times in just being patient. Being patient. Alright, one last one here and then I'm done. Love is priceless. says all the wealth of his house for love. It would be utterly... Scorned. You can't really put a price on real love. It's worth more than money. Someone wrote this, a good quote here. With money you can buy a house, but not a home. With money you can buy a clock, but not time. With money you can buy a bed, but not sleep. With money you can buy a book, but not knowledge. With money you can buy a doctor but not good health. With money, you can buy position, but not respect. With money, you can buy blood, but not life. With money, you can buy sex, but not love. In Christianity, we call it grace. Now, as you think about all these that speak about a relationship with a husband and wife, um, it speaks about God too, doesn't it? Uh, first of all, He knows you. He knows you by name. He loves you. He promises to protect you from the consequences and pain of eternal death with His awesome love. He's powerful and forgives us of our sin. He's possessive. He's jealous for us because He bought us with His own body. He holds us in His hand. I love that John 10, 29. It says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. And God perseveres with us. Man, I listened to a song yesterday. I, you know, I'll go through listen to certain singers, and i become a fan for a little while. And I was listening to Natalie Grant some on YouTube and going through different ones, and she did this Gaither song where uh, "I Am Not Alone." I don't know if you've heard it, but that girl started rocking. That sister was singing, man. I just started crying because it was. And she was, and I was, you know. I thought, man, I wish I could do. Sometimes I'm just jealous of people's gifts, you know. You think, wouldn't that be fun? Just to be able to cut loose like that and worship. And she just, you could tell, she just started smiling. She just, it just started, you know, I almost... You know, it's funny, I went down through the comments and one of the comments was, wow, it's really cool to see a white girl sing like a black one. You know, that, let it go. And it just blessed my heart to hear her. To hear, um, his love to us is priceless. And, you know, I would be at fault coming to the end of this been talking about romantic love. One thing's on my heart, I meant to mention earlier and didn't. You know, you go through a series like this, if you're not careful, it's easy to almost sound like if you're not married, you know, then somehow you're incomplete or a second rate citizen. Forgive me if I've ever given that kind of idea as I've spoken through this book. Um You see, as much as I love my wife and as much as fulfilling as it is to have someone by your side, no one can take God's place. You see, what matters most is that I seek to be who God made me and stay close to Him. Because when I don't stay close to Him, I become selfish instead of a servant and my relationship with my dear wife breaks down because I'm selfish instead of serving her. And that happens because God's got to get a hold of me to make me a servant. And and guys, you're not incomplete if you're in a situation where you're not married, if you're single. You're just in a position where God has a chance to love you and to make you the person He wants you to be. Maybe may be for somebody else. What a blessing. But but He's the one that completes us, not another person. And I just want to throw that out. And I want to say that his love is always waiting. We have what we call response and invitation. We have an altar. And I love the fact that when you come, He doesn't run. But He opens up and says, I'm here. And uh, I just ask you come to His arms today as we have an altar. Where you are, you know what decision you need. I just simply ask that you obey Him. Let's pray. Lord, we come to You We hear a lot about what love is. We're swamped by wrong messages. But Lord, You're the author of love. The Bible says God is love, not love is God. To really understand love, we must see You. And uh, Father, I pray this morning that You would draw each of us the way You choose by Your Holy Spirit, that You would speak to us, God. We need to obey You wherever we are. We may be at different places this morning according to circumstances in our lives. But one thing's for sure, we need You, Lord. So I just pray that You might speak to us, God, and that we might say yes to however that is, Lord.